Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm continuing my 2020 vision series of conversations with cybersecurity thought leaders. It's my privilege to welcome today Art Coviello. You might remember him as the chairman of RSA. He's now a partner with Rally Ventures. Art, thank you so much for joining me today. Always oh, a pleasure, Tom. So, Art, we saw each other last at RSA conference back into February, beginning of March. What has most occupied your time and energy this year? Well, like uh, any good venture capitalist, I've been looking at any uh, any number of deals, and we've actually done several at Rally over the course of uh, of the year. Zero North and and Sexeta in the security space are are a couple of the exciting ones that we entered into. So. Pretty happy about those. All right, you and I caught up for a few minutes the other day to talk about the topics to discuss today. And one of the things you told me you're most concerned about is the assault on truth and how it's been weaponized. What are some of the potential outcomes that you most fear? Well, you know, going back several years when I when I did to the keynotes of the RSA conference, I I was calling on the industry and, and calling on governments around the world to to have a, a, a really defensible treaty around cyber warfare. Not surprisingly, it didn't come to pass. But what I didn't anticipate at the time, when I was really focused on genuine cyber weaponry, uh, you take out my power grid, I take out your dam, I, I haven't accounted for the ensuing rise of, of social media and how much of an impact that would have. And clearly it's had an impact on elections and misinformation. And it's now a government-to-government -government weapon, but I can clearly see this becoming a, a government-to-consumer uh, to or a government-to-individual uh, to businesses or even business-to-business -business with unscrupulous uh, companies. So I, I really worry about social media being weaponized on, on any number of fronts, and we haven't seen it yet, but. I'm anticipating it, it's going to happen. And that amount of misinformation can destroy reputations as, as we've seen. And it's, it's really frightening. And we, we really need to do a number of policy things, number one. But we also have to have the ability from a security standpoint to trace where these attacks are coming from, understand them, and then turn them off as fast as possible. All right, I see a lot of effort to acknowledge these types of attacks. Are you encouraged at all by their response and being able to detect and shut them down? Well, as is usually the case, we're still reacting. And there are a number of, of services out there today that are looking across the dark web to find out where these kinds of attacks, whether they're credentials or, 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 or information gathering about, about companies, ultimately get translated into attacks. I think these kinds of products and, and service offerings can be used around social media as well. So yeah, I, I do think there are capabilities that can help us in this regard. All right, 2020 looks to be a big year for the fifth generation of mobile technology. Now, besides the broader potential threat landscape that comes with 5G, what are your most significant security concerns? Well, it's another case of here we go again. You know, 5G is, is really going to make the Internet of Things and really create the Internet of, of everywhere that we've been talking about. Uh, it, the enabling of this kind of bandwidth is, is just going to open us up to all kinds of capabilities that didn't exist before. 
and I, I genuinely am concerned over not only the, the lack of security being built into these IoT uh, and IOE capabilities, but I also worry about the, the switching fabric. And the fact of the matter is that the Chinese with Huawei and ZTE are likely to dominate that. And, and we've got to be very careful about who controls these, these switching fabrics. The, the only good thing out of, out of this is, is the, the, the 5G networks are gonna be so diffuse and, and so ubiquitous that it's, it's gonna make it harder for a nation state like China to potentially take advantage of, uh, of their interactions with, with Huawei and ZTE, but it's still a, a level of concern that we have to keep our eye on. The, the bigger concern is, is, is the ability to attack these IoT and IO, IOE capabilities and, and operational technology capabilities. And, and that's why having the kinds of tools to be able to spot the vulnerabilities in, in these kinds of, uh, of devices is going to be crucial. All right, I remember when you and I spoke at the end of the year, maybe two years ago, and you talked about the rise of privacy as a concern for security leaders. I wonder, how do you feel now about the ongoing wave of privacy legislation we've seen over the past year or so and its impact on data governance? I think it's generally good. I think GDPR is, is not like a lot of these um, regulations that are, are so burdensome as, as to almost be impossible. Look, they, regulators never get these things right, so GDPR is not perfect. The California bill is not perfect. But I'll tell you, the benefits of, of starting to see some of the regulations around this far surpass the unanticipated consequences and, and a little bit more inefficiency of, of, of dealing with these, these kinds of capabilities. So if, if we hadn't started to do this, uh, it was only going to get worse. And, and when it gets to a level where it's totally out of control, then you get the kind of debilitating regulation that nobody likes. So I think, I think we're off to a decent start, but we need the tech companies that control this data to take action and be more responsible before they get regulated to help. And I, I think we're starting to see that. I was going to say, do you see some momentum there, or do you think we're, we're going to just go down the path of 50 little privacy regulations throughout the U.S.? No, I, I, well, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, California tends to legislate for the world because everyone does business in California. You know, we had this, um, this issue with, with the breach notification bill where we ended up with, I don't know, 40-odd bills, and the federal government just never seems to be able to get its act together around um, cyber. Anytime you, you start an administration with Rudy Giuliani as the cyber czar, you, you got to worry about the government ever doing anything right. <laughs> All right. You're at the heart of the cybersecurity marketplace. Certainly you see lots of startup organizations, but this year has seen a lot of M&A activity as well. How do you see this marketplace evolving in the new year where we do have a federal election coming as well? The good news for security companies is, at least through the election, there doesn't seem to be a recession on the horizon. So companies are going to have an opportunity to break through. The issue, as you know, is there's just too damn many of them solving similar problems. Um, so, you know, the companies I work with, we, we, were, we try to, to get a breakthrough as fast as we can to get to critical mass, and, and we've, been, uh, we've been pretty successful with that. I mean, one of the investments we, 
we made this this past year that had a, a great exit was Veridin, which got sold to FireEye, and and Twistlock was uh, was another one that went to Palo Alto Networks. But you know, there's not going to be a home for for all of these uh, all of these companies. So having genuine innovation, doing something different that's not having been done before, is critically important in in some of these uh, startups. And and quite frankly, in in both Zero North and and Sexata, we see that kind of capability. Sexata, in the uh, uh, third party identity governance space, nobody's doing what they're doing. Zero North. Uh, which is uh, amalgamating all of the uh, vulnerabilities from various sources and and orchestrating the response to those is is again a play that's uh, that's not available anywhere else. So we've clearly taken a hit 'em where they ain't strategy with respect to our our security investment. Blue Lava is 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 the most recent one that we've put money into, and and that's another one that's that's doing security management at a very very high level. Uh, again, a space that's not really been addressed before in the security industry. So innovation is ongoing and necessary, and I see a pretty robust market in 20. You make a good point, Art, because there are so many organizations that are sort of treating the same symptoms. When you look at a potential investment, what are the distinguishing characteristics you look at that give you the sense that this might be an organization that breaks the mold? There's several filters that that I have, and and first and foremost, if, if it is a point product, it's got to be doing something that's far better than anything else that's that's been been done before. Otherwise, you know, companies are just not going to switch or or even look at a point tool. Second is they have to add value to the existing in, infrastructure of uh, of security technology and 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 process, and APIs are. Are, are increasingly important. Um, none of these security tools exist in a vacuum, and it's really important for these companies to distinguish exactly where they are in the continuum of defense in depth, and make sure that they are connected to other elements in the in the chain. And the the third filter is how do I take the pressure off of my security operations center, given the ongoing problem with lack of, uh, of, of people to, to staff these positions. Anything I can do to automate uh, response or to automate the process of security is, uh, is critically important. So those are, the, those are the kinds of filters that I, I look for more than any others. So with that as context, what are the technologies you're most bullish on as we go into the new year? Well, it, in, at a high level, identity and access management, especially in a in a world of of five G and and um, you know I- individual devices, become uh, not unlike uh, users and and humans in in that we have to have control of of their identity and 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 their access. So, identity and access management, identity governance, critically important. Anything that that helps make you more efficient, like a, a zero north that that can orchestrate all of the various vulnerabilities that you have. Technology that, that does find vulnerabilities in IoT and, and OT-oriented um, devices, uh, like Tenable's recent acquisition, for instance, of, of Indigy, which is a, a very innovative uh, company in, in, in that particular space. And third, being able to make sense of, of your security infrastructure with a management platform that helps pull things all together. 
and give you a sense of where you are on a maturity curve, but also kind of gives you the reporting across your entire infrastructure as Blue Lava does. Those are the kinds of things that I think are going to be really, really important for 2020 and beyond. Art, I always appreciate our conversations. I look forward to seeing you in San Francisco in the spring. Thanks, Tom. See you there. Been talking with Art Coviello with Rally Ventures. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.